0: So we've heard about what it was like for Mary to look into the face of this baby that is, as that song says, is really the face of God. Can you imagine? And I've always, when I've heard that song, it always made me think, wow, looking at a baby and realizing that this is God in the flesh. How to even comprehend that. And we don't know exactly what Mary did know we did know that she definitely was visited by an angel. We know that she definitely was probably a teenager with this incredible responsibility of saying, you are going to birth the Son of God. Can you imagine as a teenager? We've got some teenage girls here today. Can you imagine that? It's unbelievable. and We don't know exactly what she knew. Maybe she didn't know all that Jesus was going to experience, all that Jesus would go through, but... And she didn't know exactly how her heart, how her mind, how her soul would respond when she saw all the different things that Jesus would go through. And I know there's moms out there today, even dads, but moms, to think about your baby having to go through what Jesus would go through, it was had to be amazing. And Mary did know, and what Mary did not know, she did know that God was going to be there for her. And guide her through this. More than anyone else, probably in all history, Mary knew that God had blessed her with this baby, that God had given her this responsibility. And she knew love as she watched it fulfilled firsthand from his birth that night, all the way through his life, all the way to his death on a cross, and then ultimately in the resurrection of, of Jesus. It's a powerful thing when you think about it. For a mom, well, we've talked about during this Advent, during this Christmas season, and um, we've lit the candles of of hope and peace and joy. Last week and, and this week, we're going to talk about love, and we think about love. And of course, we have to use that word. Of course, we use hope and joy and peace. Those describe what Jesus brought to the world when He came to the world. What the world needed two thousand and Or more years ago. But you know what? Do we not need hope, peace, joy, and love right now in 2018? We still need it, don't we? That's why we still light these candles. why we still talk about it. And though we anticipate now that Jesus is coming and we say, we're anticipating the birth of Christ. You say, well, that's already happened. But we are more than anticipating just the birth of Christ that we know already happened some 2,000 years ago. We are anticipating the birth of Christ in people's hearts that don't know him yet. That needs to be a birth for some people, maybe some people here today. For the first time, you need to have born inside of you what it means to know Jesus Christ and know how he can transform your life. So, of course, we we land on this fourth word today, love. Of course, we have to say that word. Of course, we have to talk about that word at Christmas, love, when you talk about Jesus and coming into the world. And of course, we have to light that candle. Of course, we have to say that word. And of course, we have to talk about that word because it is about love, isn't it? And as I say, we anticipate again, coming of Christ, but we know that Christ is coming back, y'all. And sometimes I think we lose sight of that. Even at Christmas time, he came for a reason, but he's coming back for a reason and for some people have experienced a lot of tough things in their life you think man i wish jesus would come back right now because i don't want to have to keep going through what i'm going through in my life right now i wish he would come back right now and for some people i can understand why they would think that for others you go "Well, well wait a minute Things are going pretty good for me. I have all these things that I I anticipate in life, and I don't want him to come yet because I still want to to experience those things. And I'm sure there's some of y'all here today that kind of think in those terms. But it doesn't really matter what we think about it. He says, I'm coming again. And we don't know when that is, but we do anticipate that. Because when he comes back, there will be a way things are that have always meant to be. And I don't know about you, but I look forward to that day. But until then, He has called us to be disciples. He's called us to share the good news of Him coming and transforming lives. And that's very important. And we don't need to lose sight of that. The word love is used in the Bible over 600 times, almost 700 times, 686 to be specific. In the Old Testament, it's used 425 times, mostly in the Psalms, 157 times. But interestingly, in the New Testament, it is used 261 times in the Gospel of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the last Gospel. It is used 36 times by John in that Gospel. And then John uses love another 27 times towards the end of the Bible where he has first the letter of 1 John, the letter of Second John, the letter of Third John. Like I said, thir- 27 in that first one, 4, and that second one, 3. And then he uses it 8 times in the book of Revelation. If you didn't know that, John also wrote that book. John had a lot of responsibility to relay to the world what God had inspired him to write. And I don't know about you, but I'm very glad that God inspired John to write what he writes. And when I think about that, you think about how many times in the Gospel of John, as I said, 36 times he uses the word love. And that word love is used as John is saying, this is what Jesus said about love. This is what Jesus taught about love. That's where most of it is. But in, the, in his first letter, John's first letter towards the end of the Bible, John is emphasizing not simply what Jesus said about love, but he's emphasizing what Jesus did because of the love that he had for you and for I. With this emphatic implication that that's what Jesus calls us to do, y'all, is to have that same love and display that same love that Christ had. I want us to look at these words. They're going to be on the screen from John's letter. 1 John chapter 3, verse 18. Listen to what he says. Dear children, he's a little bit older now. He's had all this experience, and he says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. John is emphasizing that love is more than just a feeling. It's more than just something we write on a Christmas card or in a letter that we say. There has to be some action and some truth along with that. Love in the English language, as I've shared with y'all many times, is the same word whether we're talking about the love we have for our family or the love that we have for our favorite football team when they win. But we know there's a difference. I don't think my family wants me to love them with the love I have for my football team when they win because I'm mad at them when they don't. (laughs) It's different, and we don't have a different word for that, but we know that it is different. And loving our family requires more than just saying it. Yeah, they want us to say it and they like to hear it, but they want to see that I really act that out. I don't just say it. There's things in my actions. There's things in in the truth of my life that say, I really love you by my actions. And that's exactly what John is talking about here. Because over John's life, after being with Jesus and seeing what he's seen in life, he's going, it's more than just this feeling It's more than just religious things that we do or say. It's got to be actions. And the word in the New Testament that's used to describe the love that God has for us and that He wants us to have for Him and for our neighbor, you know that teaching that Jesus had? A lot of us are familiar with that. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. We might be familiar with that. Well, the word that He uses... In there, And there's like four to five, maybe even six words for love in the Greek word selection. But he uses this word called agape. Some of you may have heard that. It's the strongest love that describes that you can have as a human for another human. That God has for us. It's what a lot of us have heard maybe unconditional love. Without conditions. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, God still loves you in spite of that. And maybe you've heard that over and over again, but it's true, y'all. And sometimes we just don't grasp that. That agape love is that. There's nothing you can do that will make God not love you. And you go, yeah, but you don't know. Yes, you're right. I don't know. But God does know. He knows every detail and he still loves you with that agape love. And that blows me away. It absolutely blows me away. And John is emphasizing that. And loving our, fam- our family, like I said, it requires more than just saying it, but so does the world. They want to see more than just the church loves you, God loves you. They want to see that acted out. And when Jesus in the gospel says we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor itself, self, the same way that we're supposed to love him, agape, he uses, he uses as the way we're supposed to love our neighbors. We're to love God like that to our neighbors? Now, I don't know about y'all. But I struggle with that. Because here's what I do. If you make me mad or you do something against me, you know what I want to do? I don't want to love you. (laughs) I want to get as far away from you as I can. I want to distance myself from you and push you away. You know, everybody has their thing. You know, you fight or flee. I'm one of those flee guys. Okay, okay, just get away. But God's Word is telling me that I'm supposed to love those people. And I think about God's unconditional love. And He doesn't want to push me away when I've wronged Him. It's not like an accident. I deliberately said, God, I'm going to do it my way. And I pushed Him out, and I'm doing it my way. And God says, Craig, not only do I want to forgive you for that, And not only, Craig, do I want to forgive you that, but I still want to have relationship with you. Because you know what we do. We just go to say, okay, you say you're sorry, and I say I'm sorry, and we'll part ways, and we'll never talk again. Isn't that how we do, though? That's how we settle things. But God says, no, I don't want to just say, I don't want to just hear you say you're sorry. I want to see your life transformed. I want to be in relationship with you eternally. And that's why Jesus came. Think about that. Think about really having the love that God does. To create a people, you and me, with a unique personality, the unique person and gifts that we have, God created us in that. He created the process for us to make more people. That's all from God. And from the very beginning, and I believe this with all my heart, that God says when he made you and when he made me and he made everybody, that you have a plan. He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you, specifically for you. In Ephesians Paul says it like this for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he has planned in advance. He knows what he wants you to do from the very beginning. And when I think about that, so God has that plan for us and he has that plan and that purpose for us in the in the experience and he wants us to experience all that the way he wants us to experience it if we will listen to him. And he says, you will experience the life I've given you to the fullest extent if you will listen to me and obey me and listen to what I'm saying to you. But then to watch people that you've made with a specific purpose and a specific plan to reject that plan, to reject you and say, I know you're the creator. I know you're the sustainer. I know you're the savior. I know you rescued me, but I know better. My plan is better. The one I want to do, what I want to do is more important. So you just kind of stay off to the side. And even after that, you still, God, have the desire to forgive me for that selfish, self-centered actions that I do continuously. You want to not only forgive me for that, but you want to be back in relationship with me. And I go, what? Why do you want to be in relationship with somebody that rejected you and continues to and says, I don't need you, but you do? And then even after that, you say, I don't want to just forgive you, but I want to have a relationship with you, and I want to have a relationship for you forever. Not just at Christmas and Thanksgiving when we can be nice to each other and the rest of you go, man, I'm glad that's over till next year. Because you all know we're going to be experiencing some of that in the next few days, aren't we? <laughs> but think about that. God says, I don't want just that. I want it every day of, every, every day of, of life for eternity. I want to be restored to you in relationship. That blows me away. That's what agape love is. And we know that in order to get that, God says, I have to become one of you, come to this world, and I have to experience this brutal pain and suffering in order for you to have that forgiveness and be restored and to have eternal life with me. And he was willing to do that. That is the agape love that we read about in the New Testament. And it amazes me that God loves us that much. This is what Jesus came not only to talk about, but to show and to live out. And that's how we ultimately did it. Now, when I think about that, and I really understand the implications behind that love, I wonder if I can truly live that out. It's it's overwhelming. Because I think about it go, so what you're saying, Craig, is, is that we have to live like that agape love out to other people. That's what he calls us to do. And he had to die this brutal death and torture. Do we have to go through that? Because if that's true, I don't know about you, but I'm ready to go. I'm out. I'm not willing to go through torture and death for people I don't even like. I'm just showing you my human human side here, y'all. But God says, no, you have to show people that you truly love them in action. And he knows it's a process. He knows it takes time, just like it did for John. John wasn't like this just the moment he met Jesus. He went through three years with Jesus. And even after Jesus left, it took John a process to realize what Jesus said and what Jesus did is an amazing thing and trying to be like him is is, is difficult. But it is possible with the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. So why don't we do this more? We claim we're good people. We claim we're Christians. We're followers of Jesus. And, and we come to church and we sing about these great songs about love about Jesus. And we read about God's love and Jesus' love. But what do we do when we walk out of here? Oh, that was good stuff, wasn't it? Oh, amen, brother. And then we just kind of go on our way doing things the way we always do them. Now, I know and I'm not talking to everybody, But we can display the kind of love that Jesus did to our neighbors and to those that Jesus called the least of these. When Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, he was using the word agape. You've got to love your neighbors and the least of these just like you love me, God. And that's hard. But how do we operate like that? Does what we talked about and heard motivate us to love God more and our neighbors more with actions and in truth? For us to follow through with those actions is a totally different thing, isn't it? In truth, like John's talking about. Listen to what John says in 1 John 4, 7, and 8, just a chapter over. Listen to what he says. He says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Now, I learned that, that text... I learned that text as a kid growing up at church camp. I had a a, a leader, some of y'all have heard of Point University, Dean Collins is the president, and he actually led singing for us little kids at camp when I was growing up. And he had a song that he made out of, well, somebody did it. He used to sing at our our camp in Indian Springs, Georgia, and I remember him being on that hill playing that song. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God. And knoweth God, he that loveth not. And he'd go, Knoweth not God, for God is love. For, beloved, let us love one another. 1 John 4, 7, and 8. And we'd all go, yeah. (laughs) Yeah? That's how I remembered it. (laughs) Thank you, because that was awful. (laughs) But I will never forget that song. But when I'm... 10 years old all the way to 18, we sang that almost every year, and I love that song, and I don't know what I love most about it, just the little strum part, or the yeah at the end, but somehow that is ingrained in my mind, and I didn't know it as a kid that God was calling me. I knew that those people at camp were telling me about a Jesus that was a real person that lived in this world like us, and I knew that that Jesus died for me, and at some point in my life, I realized that, yeah, I I need dying for it, because I'm i got some issues. And I need to be saved and I need to be forgiven and I need to be restored to God. But little did I know that that verse would be something that later in my life I would be standing in front of people and talking about. Because it's so real. Love one another. Love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. Why? Because God is love. So in all those cases of that verse, I went back and looked at it in the Greek. You know what that word for love is every time? Agape. God does not let us off. John is not going to let us off the hook and say, well, you can just do a lesser form, you know, kind of like you love pizza. You can love your neighbor. No, you have to have that same God that God, love that God has for you. And in all those cases, agape is used. The highest form of that unconditional love. So this Christmas, this Advent what do you and I need to do in our lives to understand that love and be better at it? I don't think there's anybody here, and don't raise your hand, but I don't think there's anybody here that would say, I don't need to learn to love people better. I don't I think don't, there's anybody here that would say, I, don't, I need to love my family better. But there's things that distract me and, and get me away from that. And I think it's true. I think about what I need to do, what you need to do, and maybe that's different, but let's go back to that text. Love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. He that doesn't love doesn't know God. There's my answer. I need to know God better. You say, Craig, I know God. Well, I know God too. And some of you saying, yeah, we know God. That's why we're here. But in order to really understand and act out the love that God's called us to, we need to know God better. And we have a lot of distractions that keep us from knowing God, don't we? We live in this technological age, and I have Bible apps, and I have cool Bible things on my phone, but I'm still distracted to the point that sometimes I really don't know God, and I don't know Him like I should. So my encouragement is today is that we need to maybe do some things that will remove those distractions from us. And so I want to tell you about a story I heard about this week. Y'all know what GoFundMe is, right? Okay. If you don't know what it is, it's basically online where people go and say, hey, will you fund me for this project? And they'll tell about their project they're doing to help. A lot of times it's to help other people or something they're trying to do or some tragedy that's hit and we're trying to help this, this person. Um, but this four-year-old little boy named Tyler Stallings, his mom showed him a video about veterans that were living on the streets homeless. And she said, we come from a, a family of veterans And I was trying to instill in him what that is, that these people who served our country have some terrible things that have happened in their life, and now they're on the streets. And so she told him about this, and he watched this. Four years old. Please keep that in mind. Four years old. And so he says, Well, Mom, I want to help build houses for them. And his mom goes, Well, that's not possible. Because you know how it is when kids have dreams and visions, we as good parents them well, that's not possible. <laughs> but what his mom did do is say, but what is possible is there is something we can do to help them. What would you like to do to help them? So they went to the store and they loaded up on clothes and toiletries and headed to the local uh, uh, shelters. And he said, well, my mom said we couldn't build homes for the veterans. I came up with an idea where we could give them hero bags. And he says, so we put clothes and shoes and snacks and uh, soap and toothbrush and toothpaste and lotion and shaving gel and sanitizer and all those regular things, we put it in a bag. And since he's four years old, he's seven now, he's given over 2,000 of those bags out to help people. And he says, when uh, his mom said it was kind of hard to get people to take a four year old seriously. Because we all just want to pat him on the head and say, nice idea, but the reality of life will hit you and you really can't make a difference. Do we not do that sometimes? I hope we don't, but I think there's times we do. But his mom was not going to get at him. She said it wasn't always easy. At first, it was hard for people to take this four-year-old seriously. It took me a while, but we found a shelter that let him come in, and it was in where they live in Maryland. And the name of the place is... Uh, Uh, the Maryland Center for Veteran Education and Training, and they allowed him to come in, and they were thrilled with what he was doing. He was telling these veterans, thank you, and I'm sorry about the situation you're in, but here's something that can help you out. And she said it was nice to have a child in that environment. We would take them care packages, and they all were very thankful and grateful for that. But I don't know about you. And then he also was a part of, a little bit later, um, I think it was this year, um, he actually uh, helped with... uh, Partnered with a mattress company and they donated 250 mattresses to this uh, training day on on World Homelessness Day. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I'm inspired that a four-year-old, three years later, is still doing something in action to show love to people that need it. I mean, I'm just going, what's my problem? (laughs) Have I become so jaded and just like, well, those people, you know, they're just, you know, I don't know, whatever, fill in the blank. But he said, no, those people matter. They were a part of, of serving this country. Now they're in a bad spot. Can I do something physically, tangibly, concretely to show them that they're loved and that they matter? And he did. I don't know if this little boy knows God, but I do know this little boy knows God. You know what I'm saying? He has to know God to have that kind of love. And that amazes me. And he says, John says, we need to know God to know his love. This little boy must know God. Even at four years old and at seven, he's still not. Yeah, he's had some bumps in the road, his mom says, but he's not discouraged. He keeps going forward. But God doesn't say we need to know what the stock market is doing to know love. God doesn't say we need to know what all your friends are doing on Facebook or Snapchat or whatever it is to know God better. He doesn't say that we need to know the latest, greatest music in order to know God and know love. He doesn't say we need to know the latest greatest clothing and fashion to know God and to know love. He doesn't say we need to know what the coolest new games are to know God and love. He doesn't say we need to know what the next greatest phone or next amazing technology is to know God and to know love. He doesn't say we need to know all the statistics and the great players from the athletes that we love to watch to know God and to know love. He doesn't say that we need to know what happens on our favorite show by our favorite people as we binge watch on Netflix. He doesn't say that's going to teach us what love is. And he doesn't say any of those things that I mentioned are bad in and of themselves. But as I say all those things, are y'all not distracted by those things? I am. I'm distracted by those things. And because I'm distracted by those things, I don't really know God. And then sometimes I miss out on opportunities to show God's love because I'm distracted. And I think we all need to think about that. Maybe the thing you need most this Christmas is to know God so that you can know love. Getting to know God means putting away those things that distract me from knowing God. And being still and knowing that He is God and that He is love. And God, show me around me where I can tangibly, physically do something to show that love to somebody else. Not just have a feeling Not just talk about it and say, ain't it awful, somebody ought to do something. But God called me to do that. And I think about the characters of Christmas that we've mentioned almost every week. I think about Zechariah and Elizabeth, John the Baptist's parents, John the Baptist. I think about Mary and Joseph. I think about the shepherds, the wise men. They all took the time to know God and show Him, show the love that God had showed them Through their actions. All of them did. And I think God chose all of those people. Nothing necessarily special when you think about all those different people in the Christmas story. But God chose them because they were seeking God. Even the shepherds. Even the wise men. Mary and Joseph, they were seeking God and said, That's the person that I know I can show love through because they're seeking me. They want to know me with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their mind. So will you, will I take some time this Christmas to say, God, I want to know you better this new coming year. In this Christmas renew in my heart uh, a passion to know you so that I can know love and share love. I want to know that. But it it means turning off, taking out the earbuds, shutting the phone down, getting alone with God, getting in his word and saying, I want to know what you have to teach me. Are we willing to do that? So this morning, we're going to offer an invitation that maybe you're you're hearing all this and you said, you know, I want to know God. I want to know God. Well, we're going to offer an invitation and it's a first step. Just because you come forward and you say some words and you maybe get baptized doesn't mean you're automatically going to have something, you know, oh, no, I know God, all completely all knowing now. But it's a process of saying, God, I want to know you. I realize what you've done for me, that you gave me this life. You have a plan and a purpose for me. And you want me to experience life to the fullest, knowing you. And that's the only way we can really experience life to the fullest, is knowing him. So we're going to offer that invitation. And we're also going to offer an invitation to maybe somebody that's looking for a church home. We're not perfect here. We need to know God more. We need to love people more, love God more. But we're trying to do that together in community. And we can do it so much better in community than we can do it alone. So Kevin I'm going to lead us in a song. And if you have a decision to make... Just ask you to come forward and I'll try to walk you through that.